Hi, this is Sharon Salzgiver. Welcome to The Thing About Aging. Today we're talking with Stella Foss, who left a career in biotech to write what she calls Elderotica. Through this genre, she encourages women to create their way to empowerment and reconnect with their juiciness through writing their stories, especially their sexy stories. She has free erotica writing groups. Her 2019 book, Aphrodite's Pen, explains how and why we should be writing erotica. And her new book, The Erotic Pandemic Ball, is a collection of tales about the love lives of women in a fictional senior community. You are going to love this. Stella! <laughs> I had to do it. I can't say that name without going on the waterfront. So Yeah, right. Of course. <laughs> Welcome to The Thing About Aging. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for having me. Oh, my God. How could I not? We're going to talk about one of my three favorite things to talk about. Sex! <laughs> so, yay. Very good. Very good. So, what, are your, what are your other two favorite things? Uh, food and spirituality. Oh, okay. Those are good. I also like to talk about horses, if you're into that. And sex and horses don't go together. No, I was, I mean, I immediately went there. (laughs) I thought you might. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. Share with the people that are listening, how did you start writing about erotica and coming from the biotech field? How did that happen? Well, I was a writer in biotech. I did technical writing did submissions to the Food and Drug Administration for new products, none of which has much to do with eroticism. Not a lot of zing, no, in in that kind of writing. (laughs) It's pretty dry, that kind of writing. So, But when I was probably, I was approaching retirement, I was probably in my early 60s, and I read an article in the New York Times book review section by a woman who's a romance writer, and she was trying to be helpful, and she said, okay, all you women out there who are writing romance, if you want to get published, make all your characters in their 20s. Oh, because that way publishers will look at your stuff. And I thought, the heck with that. And I had never written anything like this at all. But I thought, this is absurd. I mean, there are so many women in our 50s, 60s, 70s, and beyond who are leading vibrant lives. Why shouldn't our voices be heard for who we are? Right on. I mean, it's like, it sort of reminded me of back in the day when women writers would write novels using their initials or using a male name. I mean, it's like, you know, do we really have to go into this closet of youth in order to be published? Yeah. So I started writing stories. And in the meantime, a friend of a friend had started a monthly reading series at a bookstore. I lived, I lived in the Bay Area back then. Mm-hmm. And she started this monthly reading series called Dirty Old Women, where women who were over 50 were getting up on a stage and reading their erotic stories to an audience of probably half young people. It was, it was really mixed from an age standpoint. And, and what about it, a gender standpoint? Gender standpoint, about 50-50, I would say. Okay. And, but an interesting environment, very respectful. Everybody was there to celebrate the agency of older women. And 
a lot of young people would come up afterwards and say, thank you, I am so glad to know that this aspect of life doesn't disappear at age 40 because they weren't seeing that modeled in society. That's a really good point. So I started reading at that series. I started reading my stories there. And then from there, we went on to uh, the woman who founded it, Lynx Cannon, and I um, founded a um, writing group called Elderotica. I love that name. And we now have two, uh, they're both online now, of course. We now have two online writing groups at different parts. You know, one is the first week of the month, one's the third week of the month with different groups of women. And we, and uh, Lynx also published a collection called the Dirty Old Women Anthology of stories from that reading series, which unfortunately is now ended because of COVID. Okay. So that reading series is no longer happening. But the writing groups are still happening, and lots of great writing is coming out of the writing groups. I've just recently published a collection of stories, and I'm in the middle of editing uh, my first novel. Oh, congratulations. Where can I find that? Oh, it's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all those different venues. It's called The Erotic Pandemic Ball. and Oh, the one about the, the vampires and the... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did find that one. Okay. Oh, yes. good. Okay. And um, it's all about how women in a senior community that's really locked down still manage to have erotic lives. And so it involves lots of imaginary characters and vampires and ghouls and... Oh, what a fr- fr- Friendly ones, though. Oh, Very good. good. <laughs> Friendly demons. Have they been tested for COVID and STDs and everything? All these. Oh yeah, yeah. No, there's several conversations in there about how vampires can't carry uh, um, (laughs) viruses. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew that vampires would be your safest sex partner? I had no idea. Yeah, really. (laughs) And then your other book is about writing um, erotica. Oh, that, yeah, my book that came out in 2019, Aphrodite's Pen, is all about how and why women past midlife should be, should and can be writing our erotic stories. Okay, as a and way to why claim, do you feel that? Why should we be writing erotica? Uh, I think, I mean, even if you just write it and save it for yourself, even if you don't end up sharing it in a writing group or publishing it, I think it really, because our culture is so silent on the subject of the erotic lives of women after menopause just to just to put it down on paper is empowering because we make our stories real for ourselves and then if we want to share them great Mm -hmm. but just to take the time to write down what our experiences have been what our histories have been I think is really empowering and a lot of women are really enjoying doing that in our writing groups So I hope that continues and expands. I'd love to start more online writing groups. Well, just talking about writing about erotica has my libido popping. So there you go. So there you go. So I would think (laughs) it would help with that. You also mentioned writing ourselves whole about how writing can help with past abuse, which may be standing in our way from our libidos and a, a full life. That's true. That's true. Uh, Jen Cross wrote that book, Writing Ourselves Whole. She's Jen a Bay Area writer, and and 
I think it's a fabulous approach. In fact, one of the women who's interviewed in Aphrodite's Pen, which includes interviews with women who are writing erotica, um, one of those women participated in workshops that Jen Cross led, and she said that it really, really helped her to reclaim her power about her sexuality to mm. go through those writing exercises. I think that, you know, one of the one of the frustrating things for me about our culture is that for those of us who have had that experience of childhood or, or adolescent abuse, about the time that we kind of work through all those issues is about when our culture says, oh, you're done. Yeah. You're not a sexual being anymore. And and again, that's just another reason why it's important for us to have access to that aspect of life throughout our lifespan. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I get I, my vitality just really surges when I talk about sex or have sex or have an orgasm. Yeah. And it, yeah. it's it's yeah. really kind of the fountain of vitality I, I don't want to say youth yeah. because I don't need to reclaim my youth I like my age I just want to have vitality at this age and I right. find sex and orgasms and and uh, really help that it's true that's very true so you have written I'm going to quote you to yourself here a little bit into the audience <laughs> You said, um, society tries to sexualize girls way too young and then tries to unsex women before we are ready. But the reality is passion abides. Oh, my God, that's just so yummy. I love it. It's so true. Yeah. I mean, where are the movies with the sex scenes of older bodies? Like, we're not repulsive. And then, you know, when I started dating my guy in my mid-50s, I was like, and he had had a younger wife. I just thought, oh, my God, he's just going to find my body just disgusting. And no, that was not the case. You know, yeah. but I think because we don't see these images or we don't read about people having juicy sex lives, we just yes. it, it, we don't think it's possible. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's one reason why on my website I have reviews of books and movies that do raise that up because it is rare and we need to have that modeling so that we can see and understand and internalize that fact that we still are vibrant. We know that in ourselves. Yeah. But it, it is important to see that mirrored out in the world. Yeah, and, and it's interesting, too, because I think as women, you know, we've been told that men are very visually stimulated. You know, that's why they yeah. looked at Playboy and National Geographic when they were young. And now they're looking on, on the Internet. But what's right. interesting to me, Stella, is my social media, the thing about aging, like hashtag women over 50, and half of the people who follow me are men. Because they are trolling women over 50 because they love women over 50. So we should yeah. like be like, yeah. Plus, I'm attracted to men over 50. So, you know. That's right. I am so excited. So now I also noticed that you have on your website a free course on writing erotica, which I am so excited about because I want to do this. Mm-hmm. Can, you oh, talk, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. So there, there actually are two. You'll, you'll, if you look around, you'll see there are two of them. One is a short story uh, free writing course, and the other one is called Writing Our Erotic History, and it's a, it's takes you step by step through 
the different decades of life and has questions to prompt writing about your own erotic history. And the story one really borrows a lot from material that's in my book, Aphrodite's Pen, and encourages a person, a woman, to step-by-step write a story through the different elements. There are prompts about creating a character in, in one session, there are prompts about creating a plot and so on. And then at the end, you bring it all together. Awesome. So, um, so, and, and, you know, a lot about writing with the senses, about engaging visually and auditorily with, with our, writing, our writing and helping people see and hear what we are experiencing as we write the story. Mm. Oh, I love that. I know that my partner is really excited for me to write this and read it to him. So it's kind of like a play for us. So that'll be really fun. So another quote I'm going to quote back to you is, I was a late bloomer when it came to the erotic side of life. Very little research has been done about us, which is surprising when you consider the potential market for late life aphrodisiacs. Couldn't agree more. Like, where are they? Um, so, so yeah, and I had the same experience. I had tons of sex in my 20s, and then my marriage was just a sexual desert, and then that ended for that reason, actually. And then um, I just reawakened in my 50s and shazam i mean it's even better than it was in my 20s i just i just fabulous so and um the reason that i found you was on um one of the social media platforms but also a girlfriend of mine i mean it's one of the favorite topics when we're hiking all the women are talking about sex and the men are like hanging back trying to hear what we're talking about in these meetup groups it's hilarious but she was telling me that she had read um, elder erotica on, and I was like, I didn't know there was any such thing. This is oh, so great. exciting, and I love your project to get this out here. So, where else can people find this kind of literature? Oh, I would recommend uh, looking at Joan Price. She's talking more about sort of the health aspects mm-hmm. of sexuality as an older woman. If you look on my website, there are a bunch of different books reviewed. Yep. Uh, you know, that's a really good question. I, You know, one of the things I've been talking with... Uh, my friend Lynx Cannon about is starting an e-zine where we could publish Eldorotica. Mm. Because I'm not aware that there's a publication out there that really focuses on this kind of literature for older women. There are certainly our books. Yep. Um, there's a wonderful book that came out years ago from a group of women called the Kensington Ladies Erotica Society. This was the very first thing like it that I'm aware of that came out. Here's Unmasked is uh, subtitled Women Who Write About Sex and Intimacy After 50. And it's edited by Marsha Meyer, who also has a podcast on on a similar subject to yours, and Kathleen Berry. And it is essays and stories. Okay, cool. So there's that. There is Joan Price's story collection. 
and all this is, of course, reviewed on my website, too. Ageless Erotica is is Joan Price's collection, which has stories by women and men uh, after 50. There is Poetic Erotica collection called All We Know of Pleasure, which, which is arranged chronologically by the age of the writers, starts with women in their 20s and goes up to women in their 70s and 80s. Fun. Um, so those are some books that I'm aware of. Okay, great. Um, Rita Francoeur has a wonderful novel, which I'm not remembering the name of, but it's also reviewed on my website. It's fabulous. Starts off with an incredibly hot sex scene between two people in their 60s. Cool. So there's, there's stuff out there. There just isn't enough. Exactly. Now, the writers groups that you mentioned, can anyone join sure. in? person has to be female identified and over age 50. Okay. Well, that's pretty broad. Yeah. Welcome, and, Matt. And, yeah, anybody can join in. They're free. So Wonderful. You know, Wonderful. And they're, they're jointly led, so people take turns. We have a structure where we do a short write and then a longer write. People take turns bringing prompts, and there is guidance about the kind of feedback we give because we want to give encouraging feedback so people will keep writing. Mm-hmm. And as I said, there are two of those groups. Each one meets once a month. Oh, very but fun. happy to add more groups. What a great take on the woman's circle. I love it. So your writing erotica is really a doorway into empowerment is what I'm hearing. And exactly. I love how you say it's um, erotica is a terrific way to push back on the combination of sexism and ageism that women face in our middle and later years prompting folks to improve their mental filing system about older women is gratifying. Yeah. Yay. You go, girl. Love it. (laughs) So now that we, is there anything else that you'd like to say around that about how erotica empowers us? Now, Stella, we're all juiced up. We're writing our erotica. Even if we don't have a partner, there are things that we can do to entertain ourselves. That's right. Um, so we're all juicing up and we're, we're doing all of this. And then we find out that our bodies after menopause are saying, nah, that kind of hurts. Yeah. What can we do? You have a blog well, about this. Yeah, I've been blogging about this, this issue that used to be called vaginal atrophy, which is, you know, not the most pleasant of names, and was recently renamed genitourinary syndrome of menopause, which is quite a mouthful, um, and usually people refer to it as GSM. Mm -hmm. And basically the, the thing that can happen, and happens to about half of women after menopause, is that the, that the tissues in our vulva and our perineum and that whole part of our body can just really start to lose moisture. And it has to do with just not having as much, much estrogen in that area. So the, there, there's a lot to be said about this. One of the interesting things is how expensive it is to treat this condition. There's there's estradiol cream that can be used, and it is you know it costs about four hundred four fifty a tube. Oh my gosh! If you don't have insurance, and and unfortunately, insurance often doesn't cover very much of it. And it's very interesting if you, you know, having been in biotech, I went back and tried to reconstruct what the manufacturer would cost 
of this cream. It's a steroidal cream. There's no patent on the on the molecule that's used that's the active ingredient. And you can compare it with uh, there's a vagisil cream that has hydrocortisone that is controlled the same way under FDA uh, manufacturing requirements. Costs eight dollars a tube, hmm. and and it would cost about the same to manufacture under those those manufacturing guidelines. So it's an it's a situation where manufacturers are making an enormous excess profit and have been for 50 years. Oh, disgusting. The Senate, the Senate investigated the original manufacturer of this material uh, in the 1950s for price fixing. Oh, wow. And found that the price was, you know, in the range of three three to 5,000 percentage markup. Oh, wow. And the situation has not improved. If you take hormone pills, if you take birth control pills, the cost is way, way lower. Mm-hmm. So why is it that this formulation is so very expensive? And I read an article where a physician, an endocrinologist, was interviewed about this, and he said, well, it's because they can get away with it because people are too embarrassed to talk about it. <gasps> All right, so we are unmasking this. And here's the other thing that's interesting. You would think that a formulary pharmacy could just make this stuff for Mm -hmm. you. But it turns out that the law prevents pharmacies from making something that's available as a commercial material. So what you would have to do would be to get your physician to write a prescription for a different concentration of estradiol that's not commercially available. Okay. Okay. And then presumably your your pharmacy could make that for you. Because, okay. again, this is not rocket science. Making mm-hmm. it isn't rocket science. But if, if somebody really did want to start a business doing it, they would have to uh, abide by uh, good manufacturing practices, FDA good manufacturing practices, which are expensive to set up. But a compounding pharmacy could do it. Mm, interesting. It's not hard to do. Interesting. So, yeah, and we should all talk to our doctors because there are things that we can do, you know, and I went to uh, pelvic rehab and I had a lot of pain and that just loosened everything up and then the juices started flowing naturally. So for me, that worked. You went to what? A pelvic rehab. Oh, what what kind of stuff do they do? Oh, it's so fascinating. So it's like biofeedback. And so I basically started with like these little hard plastic it looked like a pencil almost like yeah. a little dildo type thing and and just went in and just practiced physical therapy and it's fabulous physical therapy it's the only one where the side effect and 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 indication of success is an orgasm so wow. like, what's not to love about that but you know there was pain and so you just kind of backed off from the edge of the pain and just kept working it and then you go up in size, up in size. And then what I would do, that was between appointments, you know, and do it with yeah. lubricants, obviously. And then yeah. um, on my appointments, what I would do is you hook up to this machine and the doc goes in with this implement and you practice relaxing the muscles. And you can see it, you know, like on a, a blipping yeah. screen, thing, yeah. the relaxation of the muscles so that you can retrain yourself. So your your work at home, your PT at home is helping you to relax and stretch. And then um, in the office, you're just teaching control and relaxation. And then the neurons learn again 
to relax because they've just been so tight for so long. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I ha- my situation was a little different. It wasn't just menopause. I had immediate menopause. I had chemotherapy, which also tends to make that happen. Uh, I yeah. hadn't had sex for a long time because of my ex. And so all of that combined left to, I guess I was like a virgin again. I mean, you know, it was just crazy. And oh, wow. um, so this PT helped. And then they also have medications and that kind of thing to also help with it. So, and to help yeah. with libido. So their pelvic yeah. rehab is just, I think, fabulous. Wow. That's really good to hear about. I yeah. had no idea. Yeah. I have a podcast with a pelvic rehab doc. Oh, if you want to that's go back great. and listen to it. Another thing that's interesting about this is that semen actually has a lot of estrogen in it. What? Which is really interesting. Most people don't know that. So actually having heterosexual intercourse without protection mm-hmm. is helpful if you have GSM. Wow. Incredible. I had no idea. Well, thank you for that. That's good info, isn't it? It is very good info. Another <laughs> nugget. Thank you, Stella. <laughs> <laughs> so so now tell us a little bit like you've been were on the dating scene I understand your yeah. relationship now if you'd like to yeah. share what happened in your 50s and what that journey was like yeah yeah well I had a, a long-term relationship that ended when I was in my mid-50s mm-hmm. and um so I started dating and of course it was a whole different world I you know I had been dating for decades oh yeah now there's texting and online dating yeah yeah, it was crazy I'm like how do I text this oh it's so different yep and um and I had a relationship with someone who was uh sort of a narcissistic cheater sort of person oh fabulous yeah but you know very good in bed so so you know it was there was the downside and the upside to that and and so uh, that really changed things for me um in good ways and bad ways I mean you know you come out of a situation like that a bit cynical but uh, but on the other hand you know there was that upside of reawakening things in a way that they hadn't been in many many years, yeah. So, uh, so then I dated for a while. I I tried polyamory. I um, just sort of, you know, checked out the situation, um, and eventually met my partner I've been with for the last five and a half years, and we are very well suited to one another. and And it's been uh, it was a it's been a grand adventure. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I really do feel that my erotic life didn't start till I was probably fifty seven. Wow. And and nobody talks about this. I mean, you know, there there is I haven't read it yet, but there is a series out there, a book series called The Late Bloomer series, uh, about this phenomenon. But it's not well understood. Yeah. Why why would why would somebody come to their late 50s and suddenly discover their libido well I think there's a lot of reasons why we would you know (laughs) freedom the kids are gone there's a lot of change which can cause stress which then can thwart the libido but there's also a lot of opportunity we have more time 
you know, the kids aren't around, right. so we can run or chase each other naked around the house. You couldn't do that before, right. you know. Right. So yeah, and all that upbringing. I mean, I grew. I was a kid in the 1950s, and and everything was so shut down. Yeah. And all those messages about what it means to be a good girl that we got when we were kids. At some point, you do sort of outgrow that, and you decide you're your own person. So, again, yes. that's about the time about the time you realize that you really own it is about the time that society is telling you, no, 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 you're done. So that's a really good point, Stella. So let's break out of that. Yeah, um, and and for me, that that's so. T- when I got divorced, I was like. I don't remember who I am. And so I went on this mission to rediscover myself. And I think that's common for a lot of people, what you just said. Yeah. 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 There's a lot more time for an inquiry and, and for self exploration and where's my juice and who am I and what's my passion? And do I really want to, you went from biotech into erotica. I mean, what do you know? We can all ask ourselves, what do we want to do? Where is my juice? Right. Exactly. Exactly. I loved your talk about online dating and you met with this guy and he was like, well, tell that story about having dinner with the guy. Do you remember Which, which one? There's so many. There's so many. <laughs> and then after dinner, he says to you. stories about. I know. Oh, there's so many. Exactly. And he says to you about the check after dinner. Oh, yeah. Actually, I have three, three stories like that in my, uh, the new, the new novel that I'm, editing now brilliant charming bastard there are three stories in there well you should tell us because we should buy the book oh okay well one of them is uh, see i'm i'm not sure which to which one you're referring because i have three good ones but there's one where i go out to dinner with a guy or the character in the book goes out to dinner with a guy and at the end he pulls out his 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 novel and says i don't have any money for my half of dinner but i'd be glad to give you my book if you pay for dinner <laughs> as he wipes his mouth with the napkin yes. <laughs> is that the one you meant yes that's, that's the one I meant yeah, I loved yeah. it it's like okay what are they coming trading fishing lures and I mean like <laughs> what <laughs> welcome to the barter dating company <laughs> oh my god I know the online data it's just and now I can't even imagine during COVID I mean how oh, it must be for I, I can't either. I can't either. I, well, that's why my story collection is full of, you know, demons and time travelers. Because right. <laughs> what the heck do you do? But now we're getting the vaccine. So now yes. it opens new possibilities. Yes, yes. Absolutely. I, is there be anything else world. that you want to talk about? Uh, uh, well, should we talk about my new novel? Yeah. All right, so I, this is exciting to me because, you know, I'm 67. I'm writing my first novel, so there you go. And it's going to be called Brilliant, Charming Bastard. And whenever I talk to women about my book and I mention the title, the usual reaction is, oh, yeah, I dated that guy. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think women can engage with the title. Absolutely. The, the plot is it's about these three... Women, of course, they're in biotech because I was in biotech. But these three women scientists who discover that they're all dating the same lying, narcissistic jerk. And 
that not only is he dating them and lying to all of them, he's also been pumping them for ideas for his invention. And, of course, he's not planning on giving them credit. Right. But when they discover each other, they discover that they decide that getting rich is the best revenge. Yes. Yes. So that's the premise. Oh, I love it. When is it going to come out, do you think? When are you going to be done? Oh, it'll be it'll be later this year. I'm still I'm I'm doing actually a little tiny bit of consulting which is taking back in my old industry which is taking time away from editing. So yes. I need to yeah. I need to get on it cuz I really want this book to come out this year. Oh, I'm so excited for it. And then I can't wait for someone to decide to produce your screenplay. That sounds fabulous too. Yeah, well, that's just, the screenplay uh, was what I wrote first. That's that's based on this same story. So okay. that would be fun. Very fun. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time and your mission you here. And I can't wait to write some erotica. I hope you will. I hope you will. <laughs> and if anybody listening is interested in being in an elder erotica writing group, they can find my email on my website. Please write to me, and we'll start a third group. Sounds fantastic. Well, I will be the charter member of that group. Wonderful. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Stella. Take care. Okay, you too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you're interested, her website is StellaFoss.com. S-T-E-L-L-A-F-O-S-S-E. This is Sharon Salzgiver. Thanks for joining us. And see you next time on The Thing About Aging.